I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-host, Pat Ralph, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover different topics important to the W. Using X's and O's, along with key stats, we bring honest and critical analysis. Tonight, we're still a little hungover from All-Star Weekend, because it was, it was an amazing time, amazing game. Um, overall, great. I'm, I'm beyond excited to see what Vegas is going to do next year because, as we all know, Vegas does everything big. MGM is not afraid to throw money behind the WNBA, so it's going to be a good one. Pat, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's, good to, be, it's good to be back. I think this is my first time on since before the All-Star break, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it's, it's been way too long. I know. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me on, as always. So, so getting into the show, Pat. Yeah. Right now, I, I think first things first, let's talk about the layout of the league. Sure. I mean, teams are, are going from number three to number eight to number nine. I mean, all right, no one's the, the eight teams that are that are positioned right now to make it into the playoffs, um, not to say that that I'm all knowing or anything, but it happens to be the eight teams in the preseason I predicted. So well, I'll, I'll give myself so a little pat on the back. Well, well, I know, right? <laughs> you are just so smart. I mean, Arya, this is this is why you just are no all powerful, and I don't think you're alone. I think a lot of people got are picking those eight teams right now, expected that they thought would get in are going to get in so far. But you never know. We have two weeks to go. A lot could change. A lot could change, and it, it's interesting because before the season, I think the teams that arguably wouldn't make it, or we could we could not be shocked if they didn't make it, was going to be Seattle based off their recent seasons mm-hmm. the atlanta dream um and, and some even would argue the washington mystics now what's interesting right now is the dallas wings are in eighth place at 14 and 14 the phoenix mercury uh and the minnesota Lynx are 15 and 16 and 13 um sorry they both have 13 losses it's really interesting i've never been at a point where going into the playoffs i could see the eight, seven, and six team really making a push to the finals. Now, I don't know if I'm ready to say that they could win the ring yet, but I, I mean, Pat, it, talk to me about what's going on. I mean, uh, we can leave we can leave your liberty out, but it, this has just been my liberty. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, your beat. It's your it's your. your no, home I know. I'm just, I'm just messing. Um, um, you're, you're speaking. Are you know what you're speaking to? It's called parity, and that's what this league has now. You know, we're not. The days of just um, it being a foregone conclusion that Minnesota and Los Angeles are going to be meeting in the WNBA Finals, those days are gone. I mean, those days are over. I mean, uh, we haven't had this in probably four years where it's not a foregone conclusion that Minnesota is going to be playing for the championship. Um, This is probably the first time in three years that we haven't had it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be Sparks links like we've had the last two years. So, this is a big change, and I think this is a good thing for the league because, you know, I see right now as an NBA fan and someone who follows that league closely is that there's a lot of people who are really upset with the lack of parity because it's a very top-heavy league. But here in the WNBA, which has made it so attractive, and I think that's why the WNBA has done so well this year. I think this is why you're seeing ratings higher than ever before. You're seeing these record numbers of viewership um, for these national TV games and for the All-Star game. Is because of the parity and because of the fact that we don't know. Like, yes, Seattle is the first team to have clinched the playoff spot. Yes, they have the one seed and they are running away with home court advantage uh, throughout the playoffs. But we've expressed this before on this podcast in writing. We've talked about this offline. Like, 
there's reason to believe that maybe Seattle isn't going to win. We can't say for sure. Oh, they're for sure going to win. It's a shoe-in. I think we're pretty confident to say they're the favorite at this point, and it's even we're even more confident to expect that they will be that game one of the WNBA Finals will be in the Pacific Northwest this year. But you never know, and it's exactly 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 you said. And I know you actually wanted to say something about Zari. I know you had a really good point about this about how teams just seem to match up with each other really well. That was kind of something you wanted to kind of allude to, right? Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to argue with you, and and I think we both agree on this. So I don't think it's much of an argument, but. You know, I keep hearing this parody comment, and I'm the type of person who I love to play devil's advocate even more so when I agree um, with with the with the, the advocate of the devil. But but to me, it's it's much less of a parody thing. You know that oh the the fever. Now this is a horrible example because the fever have beaten top teams in this league. But oh the fever could beat anybody on any given night. Or I think it was Kurt Miller who made. No offense to him, but a ridiculous statement that the New York Liberty are the team to beat in this league, that they could beat anybody any given night. I'm sorry. That's BS. Well, do you want, me, I will say this, Ari, yeah. just to clarify. See, and I know that, okay, like obviously things have not gone well for the Liberty. But, you know, and trust me, people, we all know this. But if you go back to that first month, and I know it seems it's a long time ago now, but if you go back and remember, you remember they went the first – don't hold me to this number, but I want to say the first seven or eight games without playing a game finishing and um, without every game was uh, was decided by single digits, and yeah. they were competitive and like yeah they didn't win a lot but they were competitive so that's the only thing I will give him the benefit of the doubt is that they were really competitive and there were a lot of games they lost that they could have won. Um, but anyway, go back to what you're saying, just to clarify. No, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll give it credit. I just still feel like it's pretty preposterous. Um, <laughs> but well, sorry, that's a shout out to a, a Minnesota sports radio station that always had the like the preposterous statement uh, tournament of like ridiculous things that coaches would say because you get heated in the moment. And, and I believe he said that after a really good game against New York. I don't know if they won on a last second shot or New York won on a last second shot. Nevertheless, yeah. My point is, is that. There's certain teams that match up so well against other teams. For instance, I know you, me, and Rachel, or you, Rachel, and I, we're all we're all texting one day, and at that point in the season, um, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at the image, and if the playoffs started on that day, it was Wings versus Mystics, Mercury versus Sun, and then Sparks, Lynx at the three and four seed, and Storm Dream at one and two. It's pretty similar, except now Lynx have moved back a little bit. And I said, like, looking at it and just breaking it down, I still saw Minnesota going to the finals. Mm -hmm. And to me, it was Minnesota going to the finals, going up against the Storm or L.A. Now, people might call me crazy for that, and I will say currently, I don't know if I have that same confidence in the Lynx winning two games uh, and having that short-term rest. I have a lot of confidence in the Lynx if they can make it to the three or four seed winning one and done, going into a series with a little bit of rest and having that ability to really game plan and out-vet savvy the other teams. Right. But then you talk about teams like Seattle, who before they got to that top-ranked spot in the league, I mean, people were shocked when they were taking on the Sparks. Similarly with Dallas, you know, similar to Connecticut also. These are teams that the way they have so much length and the way they play the ball, it's hard for certain teams to match up to them. L.A. is an enigma of a team because I've always said this. They are kind of 
old school meets new school and not in the best of ways. It's almost like they're fighting to get their identity sometimes. They're obviously a top team. They're ranked number three right now. But to me, they're, they're just a confusing team. But this brings us to our next topic. If the playoffs started now, mm-hmm. in your mind, Pat, I'm going to put you on the hot seat first. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Give, give, me, give me three teams, the three top teams, if the playoffs started now, uh, most likely, in your opinion, to win the championship. We're gonna get, People are going to come at us on this. Oh, no. what, so. This is going to be good. Okay, so I've got to give me three. Uh, we have to start first and foremost with Seattle. Uh, it would be totally discrediting what they've done. Um, they've been the most consistent team from start to finish. They've been dominating both offensively and what they're doing this year defensively um, is really what's made taking their game to another level because they've always been a good offensive team, but now they've complemented it with a good defense. Um, they've got the, a likely MVP frontrunner in Brianna Stewart. Um, you've got a very like – I'd say we've both talked about this. I think someone who should be in the most improved discussion in Natasha Howard. Um, you have Sue Bird manning the controls. You're always going to be in good hands. You've got her at the point guard position. Uh, Jewel Lloyd has taken another game step in her game. I think she should also be in the most improved player discussion as well. And Dan Hughes is going to win coach of the year, at least in my opinion. I, I really love what Nikki Collins doing in Atlanta, but what Dan Hughes has done, he has totally shocked everybody. And Seattle is a team right now, like I said earlier, um, that uh, is – you know they're likely going to host Game One of the WNBA Finals in the Pacific Northwest, and I would be shocked if they don't because this is a team that's playing really well, um, and they've been consistent. And they're the team that has had no real big bumps or bruises throughout the season. Number two right now, I've got to say is the Sparks. Um, I guess this is kind of a flavor of the month kind of thing, flavor of the week. Um, but that's a team that they're playing better since the All Star break. They got a nice win against Minnesota the other night. They played well against Phoenix yesterday. They're gonna, I think they're gonna do really well on this on this road trip. But they've got the Liberty on Wednesday. They've got a big game on a back to back against Atlanta Thursday. I think they're gonna win. I feel really good about it. Um, and then they've got Phoenix in Phoenix, a struggling Mercury team next Sunday, where they can rack up some wins. And I think Los Angeles could find itself in pole position to get that two seed. Um, they're a veteran team. They've been there. They've done that. They don't care. Just tell them where they've got to be, what time the game is, who they got to play, where they got to play. They'll show up and play. Um, and number three has to be, for me, it's got to be the Lynx. I know that is probably a hot take right now with the way they've come out of the All-Star break with that loss, that uninspiring game in, in L.A., that tough loss on the road to Seattle, and then just another uninspiring effort against Atlanta on Sunday. Um, it, it's obviously been really disappointing um, I think they're a team right now. They have been the ultimate roller coaster this year. I mean, Aria, you and me started talking about this at the beginning of the year. We were so down on the links. I came into the year saying, I think this is going to be kind of a, a rough year. They're going to have a rough go where, um, you know, they're kind of going to be like what the Warriors were this year in the NBA, where they're just, they don't care about the regular season. Just get us to the playoffs and we'll turn the few, the Jets on there. I think we would agree that this has been even gone worse than expected. Um, then they went through a phase where they looked like, again, the best team in the league. And now they're back to being, again, like, again, they're number seven right now. They wouldn't even get a home playoff game. So, again, a lot can be determined. Minnesota could find itself back up to number three when it's all said and done. But if they are just like Los Angeles, they've won four titles in seven years. They've been there. They've done it. They don't care where the series starts. They don't care where the game's got to get played. Minnesota is a team. They are, other than Los Angeles, that is the last 
the last team I won a one-game playoff against, either on their floor or on the road. I don't want to see them at all because they know how to win. Maya Moore, if there's, we know this, if she's given an opportunity and there's a championship or a win or something is on the line, she's going to take it and win. Um, you've got it. You can't count the links, and we've talked about how they match up well with Seattle, and I think they're a team that once we get to the playoffs, when playoffs come around in two weeks, I think we can find them they're rejuvenated and they're just waiting to finally play games that are meaningful to them at this point since it's an older team that's been through a lot over the last seven years. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm completely with you. And honestly, I'm, I'm happy with your picks because I agree with that. I agree with 100% with everything you said. And I was, and the reason I made you go first was I was so torn uh, between these. And now because you picked those, I can I can kind of X those out and say I'm going to ignore those two teams. So Lynx fans and Sparks fans, don't come at me uh, in the streets. Start yelling at me. Um, all right, here's my list. Uh-oh. Obviously the Storm. Obviously the Storm. Right. Yeah. They're number one. Yes, I have some questions of of whether or not some of their players can really compete in the playoff series uh, that they'll need to. And do they revert? It's kind of I used to be a preschool teacher. So a lot of times things go into my mind in the ways that we teach kids. When a child learns to to walk and you put something that they really want in front of them, maybe 10 feet in front of them and you say, go get it they are going to drop to their knees and crawl over there because they have more confidence in crawling than they do in walking. They're still a little wobbly. Similarly, if you put a kid in a stressful situation, even though you've taught him to use his words, when the stress hits it, you revert back to what you know best, and that's hitting, using your violence over words. So not justifying uh, violence, what I'm just saying is, is a little bit of understanding. So there are some question marks that I have about Seattle, but you cannot deny what they have done this season. And player-wise and roster-wise, they have the ability and the players to get it done in any style of game. Um, I do still think that the Lynx kind of have their number. The Lynx just horrible second half, horrible second half, and just disappeared. But that's a different story. The next team that I think has a legitimate chance of winning the championship today, the Atlanta Dream. Why? Because their defense is ridiculous. Their defense is insane. And, you know, many times, and maybe this is just because of the way Nikki speaks with such confidence and such detail, but the way she, in a, a pre-halftime like interview when she's running to the locker room, will just talk about, we know what they're doing. They're running this play. They're running that play. They get the ball down low and they do this and this. And we can easily stop that because we have these tools. Do I think Atlanta necessarily has the tools to match up against some teams specifically? No. What they do have is the defense that can shut down any team at this point right now. And because their offense and somehow the three-point ball has awoken in them, it's not a dream anymore that they could win the championship. It could legitimately happen. And yes, I had to make that pun. And my last team is a team that in the beginning of the season I picked to go to the championship, the Connecticut Sun. They've really, really stepped it up of recent. They've gotten their mojo back after the uh, the the escapades of the physical altercation. Uh, after they they made that trade, this team has hit a new streak. All of a sudden, and and I don't think it's a coincidence that all of a sudden this team hits a new gear and and John Quill Jones starts playing top shelf again. To me, that's what it is. Shanae's a great player. She's an all star. She's a star. She's the face of the franchise, this, this, and that. She doesn't do for the team 
what John Quell does for the team. And now if you can have both of them out at the same time and it's working well, more props to you. That's amazing. But to me, John Quell is more, more important for this team to win than anybody else on that team right now. Um, and, and, and that says a lot because that's a team kind of similar. I got a lot of flack for this and I actually, I want it, it leads into our MVP talk, which is our next topic, yep. but I want your take on this path. Um, Connecticut's a team that I looked at kind of similarly to Atlanta, mm-hmm. where they're a team that's a top competitor in my mind. Don't don't come yep. at me for that. But in my mind, they're a top competitor, but they don't have that one yes. star. Again, people might say to you, oh, John Quell, I mean, sorry, Shanae Gumke. I'm sorry, in my mind, she's not that mm-hmm. star. Okay. And Atlanta Dream, yes, Angel McCautry. But she's not, and again, I'm not saying this to be anything rude to her in any way shape or form she's not angel mccautry like mvp angel mccautry who's going to completely carry her team to a championship like we saw in the past but what they have and the reason in my opinion that they have jumped to this point of number two team being a top team is because of the play of Mm -hmm. tiffany hayes that's why in my book if you're talking mvp candidates the top three is brianna stewart just because she's done everything on off and in the universe um, and then you got Tiffany Hayes, who has been one of the most complete players in the league this year, if not the most complete player in the league this year. And then my third MVP, just based off of the dominance that she has had all season and the scoring records and just when she's on the court, how much she affects the game, Liz Cambage. I'm going top three. I'm not going past top three. Pat, talk to me. What do you think? Well, I think for me, the the WNBA here for the MVPs, I think for voters, and I'm not a voter, I'll disclose that here, I'm not a voter, but speaking on behalf of voters and knowing how a voter thinks, the dub, the MVP award, if you're looking for a simple way to understand how a lot of times the vote gets used, and it's not just it's not unique to the WNBA, it happens in a lot of other professional sports, um, the 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 tendency is the 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 usual kind of I don't want to say the easy way out, um, but the usual traditional way it happens to be is it's a lot of times the best player on the best team, and that is a lot of times how it goes. Like last year, that without a question, Sylvia Fowles was the best player on the best team, and she was the MVP. She had, as you know, Ari, an amazing 2017 season, and she's having another outstanding 2018 season. Um, well, Pat, I yeah. want to ask you real quick. It's interesting because I know you've been following the league for a good minute. It's interesting to me because Sylvia Fowles was a great example of how in the W often you have one player from yes. day one to day 34 who, I mean, all right, however many playoff games, whatever, <laughs> you get the point, who is just so dominant, so on it every single game that it was clear from day one that Sylvia Fowles is going to win the MVP. Do you feel that same way about Brianna Stewart, or did she have to kind of, I don't want to say fight for it more or earn it more, yeah. but you know what I, I mean. think with Brianna Stewart is, you know, she's just, she's a different kind of player than Sylvia is. You know, I think Bri- with Brianna Stewart, what it is with her is, is that she fits more of where the game is going now. You know, Sylvia is kind of, which makes even Sylvia more impressive, is that she's actually where the game has been and where it's not going to be. She's a post player. She's not going to step out. She's, you know her. She's gonna get. She's gonna do her dirty work down low. Stewie is a a, a picket a player who can step out, shoot the three, 
can get can go down low, can rebound, can defend. She's a versatile player. She can play the five. She can stretch the floor. You know, she can pass. She can push it. She can handle the ball at the top of the key. She's more of your modern day big. Uh, you know, big. And um, you know, I think what it is with Brianna Stewart is that you're seeing her game each year has taken another level. You know, she took it that one step up um, her first season, 2016, as rookie of the year. Then last year, she seemed to raise the bar another level. Last year, you could really tell it felt like it was the first year where you felt, okay, you know, Sue Bird is kind of handing off um, the reins of the franchise to um, Brianna Stewart. And now Brianna Stewart is now become the, you know, the M- is, is going to be, she's going to be the MVP because. And I, and I get we can debate it, and it's good to have those debates, and people want to have it because we, we have to have debates. But, like, for me, it's just like I, – I, part of me is like I don't even know what the point of debating is because we're, we're just – I feel like it's kind of a foregone conclusion because they've been the best team. They've been so impressive. She's been great. She's not just great offensively. She's great defensively. Um, and she makes an impact on both ends of the floor. And I just think that – you're, you're going to reward that. She's first in win shares. She's first in win shares for 48 minutes. She's top three in defensive rating. She's top four in offensive rating. She's first in offensive win shares. She has a huge impact. She's second in player efficiency. Um, and like you said, there's an argument to me about Liz Cambage, and there's an argument to be made about Tiffany Hayes. And there's an argu- there's always going to be an argument made for you know Candace Parker and Maya Moore. They're always going to get their cases made. And Diana Tarazi, she deserves a case this year. But for me, it's just Brianna Stewart with the fact that what she's done and she's contributing to a team that is just playing so well. And I just think there's there's no debate in it. For, in my mind, there's no debate at all. It's it's hers, and I think we're just it's an, it's not if but when at this point. No, I agree. I mean, I, I view it very similarly to uh, rookie of the year. It's it's open closed case. We know who's won it. So real quickly, I'm not going to let you talk too much about it. You can give a couple stats to back it up, but your defensive player. Okay, so we are actually having a debate about this today. Um, who would be our defensive players? And there's a lot who could who we could go out there for. I would make the case this may be a, a kind of a cop out, um, but I'd make the case. I mean, I'm okay. Cop out well, too, I so go right. with Sylvia Fowles. I mean, she is she's an incredible defensive player. She, I think, she is the best defensive big in the league. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot out there, but like, you know, she's second in defensive rating. She's first in defensive win shares. And then you watch the tape, like take out the stats, watch her with the tape. Like she is so good defensively. She's, she, her, she positions herself well. Um, she's, she can block shots. She's a great rebound. Like she leads the league in defensive rebounds and stuff. You know, she's, you know, she's top five in player efficiency. You know, she's able to like, she alone can deter people away from the basket because people are not going to come up to her and try to, you know, just, you know, try to get shots up over her because of her imposing will. I'm not saying she's going to win, but like, I mean, I just think you look at the stats and we're all about the stats today. It's like Sylvia has a really convincing case. And I think it's very hard to argue against her. I think that if you're going to argue something against her, it's probably the fact that, um, you know, that Minnesota has not done as well this year that we have expected them to. But still, they're second in defense in the league. So it's not like it's just her. They have a good defense. The only team that has a better defense than this year is Atlanta. So, Arya, I will now hand it off to you. Yeah, and I'll just build on that real quick and just say the Lynx woes have not been defensively. It's been, and Cheryl pointed this out in the postgame after that 
heartbreaking loss last night. Um, it's it's that they're not they make a good defensive set or a couple in a row, and they're not able to convert on offense. Defense builds to offense, and they're not building that offense. Even though when they're in the position, they're missing open shots, they're missing open layups. But enough about that. My defensive player of the year, and I've been on this very vocally on Twitter, on all forms of social media, Elena Beard. And the reason I say that, and I know it's hard, and typically it goes to the bigs in the league, but Elena is a player in my mind who can shut down anybody on the court. Obviously, she's not going to go up against Sylvia Fowles, but she can shut down Maya Moore. She can shut down... Honestly, Brandon Stewart, if she needed to, she can literally take on anybody who isn't like just dominantly oversizing mm-hmm. her. She can t- shut them down. And the beauty is, and I've talked to Agler about this a few times, Brian Agler, head coach of LA Sparks. What a name. Drop. They awesome. will look at an <laughs> offense. Yeah, they, they will look at an offense and go, okay, we might not necessarily need to put her on the point guard. Because then she's going to get exhausted. Too many times people think the offense runs through the point guard. Great example of this, and I brought this up before, Washington Mystics. The person who runs their offense and makes the wheels churn, Natasha Cloud. So what do they do? They put her on Natasha Cloud, Elena Beard on Natasha Cloud, shut her down, disrupts the whole offense, and the game's kaput, basically. Uh, so that, that's my vote. And I know we're all about stats. Sometimes, for me, when it in my mind, when the eye test just jumps out so much more for one player than the other's, that's when I start to say, okay, okay, you know, may, maybe it's not just about stats. The next question yeah. I'm going to ask you, Pat, uh, and you already know my answer because I told you today, sixth woman of the year, who would you throw it <sighs> this to? This is really tough. You know, this is really hard. Um, ah, you got, you're, you're catching me on this one. You've caught me on this one, man. Um, I, yeah, you, want, go you go first, and then I'll make a case because I know you have someone teed up and ready to go. You go ahead. Shan Parker. I mean, I, I don't. I feel like I don't even need to. Uh, it almost seems to me, and this this might be up there on the preposterous statements, uh, whatever. But it almost seems to me that they wanted to keep her from starting, so that she could win this award. I mean, I know that that Stocks is an analytics person, super smart, and obviously there's more to it. But th- there was games where you're just like. She's there in the most important minutes. She's dominating starters and bench players on the other team. In my mind, it's it, it's because she's not that big name, you know, that doesn't have that big name appeal that some other players might have, and she's on the sky. Maybe she doesn't get it. But to me, it's honestly, it's open, close case. Well, here's what I'll say. I probably, personally, I can't give you one somebody right now. I can't do it because it's, I, I'll say this, but let's see, let's, what I'll do is I'll help your case out and let's go through why Cheyenne Parker's got a really good chance of being it. And I think you're right. I think she's got a really good chance. So let's look at kind of what she's done this year. She's a great rebounder. She's top 10 in both offensive and defensive rebounds in the league, okay? She's in top 10 overall. You know, she's a great – she's in top 10 offensive rebounder. So having that – her creating second-chance opportunities in the sky has been huge. She's top 10 in blocks. You know, she's been able to um, make her presence felt down low. Um, she's a physical player. She's a great defensive player. She's able to do that. Um, you know, she's able, I said, I mentioned top 10 in blocks before. Um, you know, she's able to kind of do the dirty work and she's been able to make a name for herself. Like you said, and it kind of is like a, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like she kind of brings a different kind of style and attitude than what the sky kind of play with the sky are a freewheeling kind of shoot a lot of threes, 
fast, up and down, run and gun kind of style. And then you throw Cheyenne Parker in there, who's going to throw some elbows and kind of can make it more physical and slow games down and, and really impose her will. So I think looking at it, I think it's very convincing. I think she's probably got a very good chance um, to get it. I think you're always going to get claims for the spark, some of the Sparks players, whether it's Essence Carson or Connor Williams. You're always going to get some love there. You might get something out of it. Uh, you know, I think those are probably – I think Cheyenne Parker, though, like looking at it there, I think she's got a very good case to be made for why she'd be sixth woman of the year. So I don't blame you. I would, I think she's got a very, very good chance. Well, Hey, Pat and I agree. So that's a case closed. This has been the WNBA insider show. I'm Aria Schwartz. The other voice has been Pat or Ricky, Ricky, <laughs> Ralph each week, different topics important to the W.